world's not as simple as it used to be. It's not enough to be a good guy anymore. We have to be the best. The time has come. All will be accounted for. Or we will hunt them. Stand up. It's time to be the heroes we were always meant to be. No, this is going to be a thing that'll keep me up tonight. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look over. I only know the one song from Ricky Martin. I'm not going back to Menudo for this, but I'm gonna have to like do some kind of mashup and and, and like you know kill the monkey on my back and then I can get to sleep. <laughs> you know, it's like no, no, there is a way to combine Danny DeVito's song from Hercules with La Vida Loca, and I'm not gonna rest until it's done. The okay, sorry, a, a quick musical tangent. Uh, the way the cadence when you said no 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 would have segued perfectly to like no 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 senora move your body right <laughs> <laughs> it was like too perfect and I wanted to interrupt when no, I, I don't want to no, be rude no senora da, 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 da. <laughs> his girl's name is Megara she got cursed in the underworld man I got it yeah. I don't want to cause Steve. I don't want to like have five minutes of dead air while I make one more stupid rhyme, and then Steven has to like edit it together to make me sound like I'm not a dunce. So never. You know, mind. I'm sitting there trying to figure out like, do we have enough context so that the listeners will know that we are trying to add Ricky Martin lyrics to Hercules because Ricky Martin was the voice of Hercules in the Spanish language version. He was the singing voice. And we made a Hercules reference. All of this happened before we started recording. How much of this can I actually include? You could probably include the part where I said he's a he's a he was trying to grease up a good snack. Is <laughs> 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 Ricky Martin still was still considered a snack? He's not my type, but I would imagine that that even if he has slipped down the snack shelf, it is still heads and shoulders above you know your average. Um, nibble. I'm weird. This is weird. I don't know. I don't have. I don't have. This. Been, I heard nipple. Oh, I'm sorry. I said nibble with a b. As I know. A boy. Gross. But that's Gross. not what I heard. Ricky Martin <laughs> seems like he's he's holding together pretty well for what it's worth. Oh yeah. 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 Speaking of holding together pretty well, this is a podcast that we've had going <laughs> for almost two years now. Oh, Three years. Yeah. This is a podcast. Three years. This is America. <laughs> This is a microphone. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was what? stupid. <laughs> I'm Steven. And also confused. This is Aldo. <laughs> this is John. <laughs> I just... It's oh, like... Boy. It's like... Every week that Steven doesn't fire us is a, is a victory in some way. <laughs> it's just it's, you know, like you said, you're like you're like this is a this is a podcast again in a similar in a cadence a little too close to a song, and it just it just triggered that little specific memory just right. You were like, "This is a podcast. Don't catch a slipping now." <laughs> not right whatever we, we read planet hulk the meter was running steven <laughs> you put enough quarters in there we read planet hulk and we're here to talk about planet hulk and we're going to talk about planet hulk if i have to 
I guess it's the conversation cause, there. Because that's the way that Stephen <laughs> planned it. What was that a reference to? Because <laughs> you planned plan it. Hulk. It's planned it. Hulk. Stephen you planned plan it. it. That's how you planned it. Oh my it. gosh. You planned it. <sighs> Try to keep it's up, Stephen. It's a bit of a slant rhyme. This is I a podcast, man. Stephen, if it if it will take if it will take the if it will take the edge off, if you need a if you want to take a lap, I, I'm happy to summarize it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'll take the Hulk of the work. Oh gosh, John, <laughs> John, save us. Okay. I think we don't. Even before COVID, we didn't record in the same room. It's not just because of like you know differing schedules and other commitments and cat allergies it's mostly so steven can't reach us with a stick yeah. i think that's <laughs> yeah it's 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 real lucky we're not in the same room or else steven would have hit me with a bruce banner hammer yeah <laughs> oh i'm not wearing my hulk fists i should have hulk fists i could have worn for the okay you know what you can't see me i'm totally wearing them totally wearing them right now typing away on my keyboard there you go. Um, here's my summary of Planet Hulk. First, let's get the great, great... T- I like this comic. I'm just going to say that up front. It was written by Greg Pak or Greg Pak, depending on which one is correct. Uh, penciler Carlo Pagolo... Wait, hold on a second. I'm going to try to do it. If you're not if you're not sure on the on how to pronounce it... Carlo... You got, you got two pack choices. Pagolayan? <laughs> I am not up on my... <laughs> Jeez. I do not speak Tagalog. Um, Carlo Pagalayan is Filipino, and I'm guessing that if uh, I was more prepared with my Tagalog studies, I'd be ready. But also, um, Aaron Lopresti. Inker was Jeffrey Hewitt. Letters, Randy Gentle and Joe Carmanga. Colorist, Chris Sotomayor. And editor, editors, Nathan Crosby and Mark Panacea. Uh, this was came out in... Uh, Hulk, uh, just in the Incredible Hulk between t- April 2006 and June 2007, and it's great. Uh, Incredible Hulk 92 through 105 and Giant Size Hulk number one. I don't think we read that for this podcast, though. Um, that's I just... forgot to. <laughs> okay, good. It doesn't actually add that much to the story, Good, because I totally so. forgot. Um... <laughs> yeah, so Giant Size Hulk, that, that one issue has three different stories in it one of the three stories is technically part of the Planet Hulk story. Like, if you have the Planet Hulk trade, which I used to, uh, that one little comic is somewhere in the middle. And we just forgot about it. Is that the one with the Planet Cho, or is that like a different... Was that a different issue? No, it's a different one. No, yeah, okay. a whole different, okay, okay. different from what yeah came up in the app. Um, basically, what I'm going to... If you've seen Spartacus, the Kirk Douglas movie... Then you've then you've got the gist of it. I think that's the quickest wrap up uh, that we've ever done. So we can. You know. Okay, but what if you haven't? <laughs> well, then what's wrong with you? It's Kirk Douglas, Dalton Trumbo. Come on. It's it's uh, uh, Stanley Kubrick. Even come on. There's no excuse. No excuse. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. So <laughs> the Hulk. This is leading up to Civil War. The Illuminati which are the tool bags of the Marvel Universe, kind of a representative of all the Marvel titles. Oh gosh, they're so bad. <laughs> Iron Man, uh, uh, Reed Richards, I blame them, but there's also, you know, like Black Bolt and uh, Charles Xavier and Namor. They decide the Hulk is out of control. Um, a gamma bomb uh, causes him to lose control and attack Las Vegas, and he killed a lot of people, a lot of uh, damage done. They send, he's too uh, dangerous. They're going to send him off 
um, to uh, another planet. They tell him that there's a mission in space that only the Hulk can do. And then when he gets up there, they they um, send him off off into the galaxy. They had they intended for him to land on a peaceful planet, it says, but the shuttle passes through a wormhole on its way. They had a planet picked out where there were no sentient life. It was peaceful. There was you know there was life, but it wasn't like there was there were you know. Um, he wasn't going to take over Mars or something with Martians already living there. It was just off where he could be on his own. Well, he lands on Sakaar instead. Sakaar is a planet um, gripped by war. There is an emperor who holds gladiator games. Um, a native, a native insect-like bug species is being oppressed by a humanoid um, uh, species. And there's uh, fighting going on there. There are factions working against... The uh, king, the Red King, I think I said Emperor a second ago. Uh, basically, the Hulk uh, teams up with his fellow gladiators to fight against the Red King. Um, he joins forces with the king's lieutenant, who has her own special powers. Um, and they end up defeating the Red King, taking over the planet. And um, the... A ship that brought the Hulk there detonates. There's a hidden trap in there, a bomb just in case, and it ends up killing um, the Hulk's uh, newfound queen, Kyra, and um, we end with him and his uh, gladiator brotherhood pissed and headed back to Earth for revenge. What I skipped over, uh, as I realized, was um, while he is fighting as a gladiator he finds a fellow prisoner who's been taken over uh, who's been put in the arena by the red king which is uh the silver surfer um yeah. uh, kind of a big deal i realized i skipped over that there's a lot of other things what i really like about this story is we have all these different characters that have all their own backstories and they have all these things that happen to them we're not given an exposition dump at any point there's a couple of um backstories given back to back but other than that it's laid out a little bit over the issues this is 15 issues we read so it was a lot to cover but it was really well done i really enjoyed this and i and i think you know putting up against each other i like this story more than spartacus but it is kind of the same story a slave uh, fights against the man and and uh hulk wins and then and then gets hit with a loss uh, spoiler alert, they, they catch Spartacus and they straight up crucify him outside the, the city gates, so sorry. Um, but, well, uh, oh, I mean, it's, the movie's like 60 years old, so I, I apologize for nothing. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> I really liked this. Um, I like that, you know, the Hulk, uh, they, right off the bat, weaken him a little bit. And so he has to build up to his usual Hulk strength because, you know, it's tough, I think, giving the Hulk people to fight, you know, where it's not just, well, the Hulk's going to punch them to death and they're going to explode and they're going to be bust up into a million pieces. We get to that point, but it's earned. We see him develop relationships with these characters and he's, you know, a little standoffish, but then um, is able to overcome his feelings where he just wants to be left alone and he... Um, finds love, however briefly. Um, Kyra, who is the king's lieutenant, she switches sides when she realizes he has set this um, weapon against the people, these um, spikes, this... Um, 
I don't know. It's like the flood in Halo. <laughs> it's like this invasive or the Zerg species. And Starcraft. There you go. There you go. They will destroy, infect, and destroy any organic life. And so once they're set loose, they, you know, will will kill people and take them over and turn them into spiky evil zombies that will just try to consume and destroy. Um, the Hulk is able to bring everybody together, and even even these um, this this these spike. It's it's a whole other alien race that you is used to living in the stars, but he's able to um, bring them in and offer them himself as a way for them to kind of feed and not destroy any more life. He they they just take his you know gamma blood I don't know and um, he returns them to the stars and is able to um, stop fighting between the different factions even after he unites everybody and 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 the kind of through line of all of this that I skipped over because I'm an idiot and I didn't like make a you know timeline note of all this is that um, him being there is fulfilling local prophecies of either the the Sakar son or the world breaker they're not sure which and so we get these hints of prophecies by these these uh, different factions on on Sakar like oh he's he look at his uh, new life is sprouted from the earth where his, where he bled on the soil and oh he's he's bringing people together and he he's um, you know fighting you know for the people you know all these things the Hulk being there meets the requirements of their prophecies and he's just like Hulk smash Hulk smash bad guy no he's not like giving it any credence or anything um, I really liked it and I'm to the point now where I need to stop talking I'm gonna take a sip of water what do you, do you guys think? Uh, quick quick question was it was was that a bomb because i thought it was just like the warp drive or something uh Uh, you know it may have been the uh, the antimatter warp core engine detonates in a massive explosion quoting from wikipedia as part of its self-destruct sequence sorry Ah. um by that point i was like no 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 just flipping and yeah yeah it it, yeah i that was that was really tragic because like i think they they make a point of saying that it's been less than a week the whole thing took less than a week. No, no. Uh, since him kind of becoming king, it's been. Oh a yeah, week. yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. Which okay. Also, uh, listen. I don't know much a lot about alien biology, but like. Don't know much can... alien biology. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I do know that can, I love you. Can you tell you're pregnant in less than a week? Hey, you don't know. Yeah, you don't know alien biology. If the plot depends on it. If you've got the old stone earth strength or whatever she's got. And, and not to be like gross, but the Hulk is super fertile. <laughs> I mean, you're right. His 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 blood is sprouting plants all over the place. Yeah, man. Like if I mean, <laughs> he is Hulk's gonna Hulk's gonna put a baby in you. I don't know what to tell you. Like, yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about something else? This is this is pretty pivotal to the story, Stephen. <laughs> this is part of the emotional <laughs> core. I, I I really liked this because you know you've you've seen Gladiator you've seen you've seen well some of us have seen Spartacus some of us skipped classics of American cinema whatever but um, do you feel called out yet Stephen? <laughs> there they they still are able to make these characters interesting and give everyone their own little moments um, and kind of come at you. You know, in ways that you aren't expecting. You know, Korg has to um, defeat and kill his brother, and that's that's rough for him. Meek um, 
you know, you think he's this little weird guy, but he, he uh, has a great character arc and then becomes like King Meek, you know. Um, Not so the... meek now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I kind of wish that had been the name of the of the of the uh, issue. Just not so. No, you don't. I I do. <laughs> I wish that had been the name. <laughs> or the or the meek shall inherit. Ooh ooh, that would have been a good name. Inherit. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> when he gets his own solo title, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, hit me up, Marvel. I'm more than happy to write a a meek. Uh, six issue solo series. <laughs> yeah, and it it won't just be him playing Xbox in Norway. It'll be it'll be from the comics. It won't be referencing any other uses of these characters we've mentioned. <laughs> Steven, you are bursting to say that we're all dumb and wrong. Please, please, let's hear it. <sighs> what the book is good? Is that what you did? You want me to be like upset about the book? Oh, thank goodness! I was worried you. I was worried you might be. <laughs> no, this book is great. Thank goodness. Okay. Like, I've, this is, I think, the, the second or maybe third time that I've read Planet Hulk. And, uh, no, it's, like, really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot there, and it, but it's, like, easy to follow. It, it was hard sometimes with the, um, uh, the Sakaar. They're not the natives, but, like, the, the race that's in power. They're these red alien guys, and they have, like... I don't know, like catfish chins. Like I don't know, how to, I don't know what to call. Them. Like they, like they all kind yeah, of. Yeah, they got waddles. They all kind of look alike. The armor is different in some of them. So sometimes it was like you know someone in the crowd was like, oh no, and it's like who was who was the oh that's Lavinsky. That wasn't just some random dude, you know. Um, but uh, I, th- I I really liked. I don't know. I liked all the characters and the. Pl- I'm sorry. This is Steven's turn to talk. I'm not going to talk anymore. Here's the thing about about this story like I was reading it and you know I do my thing where I'm reading it on my phone and I take pictures of the pages that I want to talk about so I have notes somewhere around the time the silver surfer shows up I stopped taking notes because I was just (laughs) reading because it's so good oh and that's like the art in the silver surfer and hulk fights is is particularly amazing it's, like, really good in those parts. But we'll talk about the art later. Sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah. But there's a lot of... I think one of the biggest accomplishments that this story has, and you kind of touched on this already, is that they created a challenge where the Hulk's anger and his strength come across as, like, noble in a weird way. Like, this is a world that is completely dominated by war and fighting and violence and the only way to make peace is to be bigger and stronger and madder than everybody else for crying out loud the world breaks like literally the tectonic plates are shattered and they're drifting apart the hulk jumps down in there and pulls them back together yeah it's just he he organizes a a fight there after the the red king is overthrown and the Hulk is now the Emperor, he organizes a fight between some of the remaining factions, and they, you know, they get all armed up, and they're ready to go at each other, and the minute they start, you know, fighting, the Hulk jumps into the middle and makes them all fight him instead. And he's strong enough that it's like, he beats the crap out of them and says, okay, behave now, and they're like, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird, and I don't want to think about it too hard, because, like, at the end of the day, violence isn't the answer most of the time. 
But, but on Planet Hulk, where, it is. Yeah. Yeah. On yeah. Planet Hulk, all violence, all the time. If you aren't doing enough violence, you need to get madder so you could do more violence. <laughs> and it like, it's so weird how they create this story where the Hulk's anger is not only noble but also like weirdly divine. Because like we said, we talked about the the Sakar son and the World Breaker and how the Hulk kind of fulfills both roles. And it's it's just so interesting because you root for the Hulk, the whole time. And it's the Hulk that, you know, Reed Richards believes is too dangerous to be allowed on Earth because he keeps breaking things, he keeps destroying things. And yeah. no, he, he goes somewhere where that winds up being an asset, and he is really good at it. Yeah, turns out Reed Richards is a nerd. What does he know? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I do kind of want to read World War Hulk now because it is the Hulk beats up a bunch of nerds. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, man. Reve- revenge of... The, of the bully? Revenge of the jock? Revenge <laughs> on the nerds. Yeah. Hey, oh uh, yeah, there it is. There it is. Yeah, uh, you know, that's that's one of those things I, I was really, I really enjoyed it. I really dug it. Um, I think one of the things you pointed out that was really good about the book is the characters in it. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't expect to like a lot of the characters. I knew, I knew part of like Korg and Meek was I was gonna be carried by like my memory of uh, Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, they're totally but, di- like they look pretty much the same, except they're like they're totally different. Oh, absolutely uh, different characters. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and you know they work in the context of this kind of melodramatic uh, gladiator story. You know th- these characters work for that. I don't think the uh, Ragnarok versions would have worked at all in this book. <laughs> no, no. And I loved no. The, I loved that movie, and I loved them in that movie. But this, I mean, this they had a lot more, a lot more space to tell this story, and they didn't have to deal with you know Thor's character arcs from that you know that series yeah. or whatever. Um, so that you know that that simplified things. Um, but yeah, this I, I liked both versions, but this this is the superior. Yeah, you know, coincidentally, I I didn't realize that was I guess a reference to this book. Or I guess uh, Thor Marvel mythos that uh, I can't remember if it was the first or the second movie where he's fighting the Rock people. And yeah. Oh yeah, that's in the second movie. Yeah, that's in the second movie. And in this, oh, yeah, uh, and in this yeah, book, yeah. uh, Korg is having when he's telling like a little bit of his origin story or a little bit of his background. He talks a lot about how he saw Thor kind of destroy his 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 brothers or his uh, military unit or whatever. Gonna be like sorry. Yeah. yeah, that's one of the the very first Thor comics dealt with a couple of those rock aliens coming down, and he gets in a fight with them. Um, the the brood, yeah, no name, I think is what they call her. Yeah. She mentioned something about like her homeworld blowing up. That's the reference to like a Captain Marvel. I think it was Ms. Marvel at the time. Carol Danvers' story where she goes and blows up a brood homeworld because Carol Danvers does not like the brood. Um, Neither did the X-Men. No, nobody likes the brood. There are a lot of great little shout-outs to different stories. So I'm doing a thing just kind of on my own time, uh, trying to read every published appearance of the Silver Surfer. Oh. It just so happened that right after I finished this, the next book that I had to read was the first time the Silver Surfer met the Hulk, uh, which is a story that gets referenced in Planet Hulk when the Silver Savage shows up and the Hulk you know, 
beats the crap out of him, and then the surfer winds up blowing up all of the obedience discs. Uh, the Hulk mentions that all he ever wanted from the surfer was to go into space with him, and the surfer says, maybe I can do that for you this time. Like, not and this then the time. Hulk decides not to. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, that whole story, like, this is... Oh, man, this is almost like a perfect little event because it draws a lot on Marvel history. You don't need to know any of it, though, no. going into this. I think it, it makes everybody happy because it's like, it satisfies the people who do maybe have been following Hulk this whole time without alienating the people who are like, who's the Silver Surfer? It's like, all you need to know is that he's super powerful and this is like crazy that these two are fighting. And I think it's it does a good job of, you know, if this is your first Marvel comic, your first experience with the Silver Surfer, you're going to want to know more. And so this is going to, you know, get you to read Silver Surfer. Which, granted, if you don't know who the Silver Surfer, have you really read a Marvel book? <laughs> I'm trying to... Yeah. I'm He's trying not to even in the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe yet. No, yeah. which is a shame, actually. We'll see if he yeah. ever winds up there, but... That'll be the thing, like, you know... When I'm 40, he'll be there. <laughs> It'll be like, they're finally doing Fantastic Four right, and, you know, I don't know. I it think is. we got a lot a lot of ground yeah. to cover first, but I would love to see a good on-screen Doom. It is, it is, cr- oh, yeah. it is crazy Doom. to think about uh, Iron Man came out when I graduated from high school. Yeah. Oh, Boy. my gosh, it's been so long. <sighs> Anyways, uh, <laughs> enough existentialism. Uh, how, about, how about how about that? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, sorry, sorry. I was talking about the characters. Um, I like that bit with them. And I, the thing I like is how Hulk is very much a reluctant hero. Yeah, he kind of just wants to fight, and then he kind of just kind of wants to fight the Red King, and eventually kind of warms up to the idea of you know these are his warbound. They're they're his friends, his allies, uh, and in a way they're his family now. And and like that's a that's a really good progression. Like I really like seeing, and it felt natural to see him kind of grow to accept you know, all these all these different people kind of into his life, and and he becomes a little bit more selfless as the book goes on. He still doesn't really want to submit to the whole idea of being like a chosen one of prophecy or whatever, but he still kind of he does it. By accident, right? Like he does, he's not trying to be that. He doesn't want to be that. He's just doing kind of what he feels needs to be done, and that's that's a really good. I like that yeah. he tells Meek early on, like never stop making them pay, because that's that's how he feels at the time. And then he goes through their fights and their struggles, and you know they they um, some of their team gets kidnapped, some of the team gets hurt. They. Um, have to confront the spikes and like Meek still wants to fight the people that he you know that have hurt him in the past and then Hulk is at a point when he you know says no 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 we can't we can't do that and he's he's making better decisions you know rather than just taking on all of the uh, spikes by himself he allies with them and makes it so that they're not going to hurt anybody any else any anyone else and he takes the uh, you know pain that they want to inflict on the whole world he takes it on himself so that you know going forward there can be peace and they they can you know defeat the red king together and move on yeah i think and i think that's a really apt moment right because he he looks you know he he communicates with them he's not just finding them outbound uh 
and that really contrasts with like an earlier scene when when him and Korg and all those guys kind of meet up in the in the pits or whatever they call them, mm-hmm. and they have to fight the other spike infested rock aliens. And what does Hulk do? He just grabs Korg and breaks them with him. Yeah. Korg, paper, scissors. Just, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, so it's a really nice like little progression of character. And, and specifically with like a recurring enemy or obstacle, which is the spike or uh, the spikes. Um, so like that's I, I thought that was really well done. It's just I guess what I'm just trying to say that that was really, really good. Yeah. And the development is really subtle. Yeah. Because you want the character to be like... Like, to some extent, I I, I think I just got used to comics writers who are very, very obvious with their craft. I kind of wanted the Hulk to look at the camera and say, sometimes Hulk not smash. You know, like, actually spell (laughs) out. Like, no, this is a time for diplomacy. But it never really happens. Like, when Miek wants to kill these these other people hulk stops him but he doesn't like explain his position he just says stupid bug and stops the fighting uh it's it's character development and growth and change but the hulk is the hulk the entire way through if they did one thing perfect i think is is the character development and making you care about you know, everybody to some degree. Yeah, I'm more interested in what's, you know, going on with, um, you know, Heroim. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, Eloy, Kaifi, you know, the, uh, um, you know, they have they have their own little backstory. Um, Heroim, you know, being a shadow priest and like he, you know, he knows kind of the lore, you know, he's interesting. Yeah, I want to know more about him than like, you know, the no-name brood because it's like, well, it's a brood. That's a, you know... Like Marvel Universe's Xenomorph, almost just like an evil alien mm-hmm. that likes to kill and eat everything. But right now, since she's the only one, then there's you know not as much danger of her you know turning on her team, and that didn't happen. I was surprised. I was like, at some point, you know, that brood's gonna eat some people, but it didn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> I I think I think another character that had really good development was Kyra because yeah. she very much. I mean, she is his antagonist and. A little bit of a rival, and there's 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 kind of a, a sexual tension kind of from the get go between there are, there the are two multiple of them. Scenes where you look at the panel and you say, "Okay, now kiss." Yeah. Yep. So, but but so you have that kind of underlying tone between the relationship, and while you kind of have this rivalry, you know, this antagonist uh, and protagonist uh, rivalry, and eventually she kind of flips sides to join the Hulk and, and the other kind of rebels her kind of story of you know kind of going from this lieutenant carrying out all the orders and to kind of being awakened and seeing that you know the Red King doesn't really care about his people even though she does and that's kind of what she's been led to believe that was a really good turn a little obvious I mean I feel like you could see that coming a mile away but just because it's obvious doesn't mean it wasn't well done. I think if there were more female characters, maybe it'd be less obvious. But it's kind of like you know her and the brood. You know, it's it's like there's you know, yeah. I don't, I don't know. There's a difference between obvious and seated, mm-hmm. and like you know, it's one thing to write something that's just a cliche and. 
kind of predictable and boring. And another thing to write something so well that the way the short the story shakes out is inevitable. And I think this is honestly, I think this is a little bit more towards the inevitability than the cliche, if that makes sense. Yeah, like Thanos. Yeah, uh, Thanos is inevitable, and I am Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not quite like, well, Scooby and Shaggy have only met three people uh, this episode, and so it's got to be this person, this person. Yeah, it's not like that. Um, yeah, but it is it is like, I don't know, I, enjoy, I wasn't bothered that like, oh, there's going to be a romance here. I was more like, ooh, how's it going to shake out? Because, you know, she shouldn't be on the yeah. bad guy's side. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's what I was trying to say. Not obvious. I guess I said obvious because... That's in hindsight. That was obviously what was going to happen, but like you said, the fact that it was seated well enough that like that's just kind of how it felt. That was the point of it from the beginning, right? It wasn't like Demolition Man, where it's kind of where Sandra Bullock is set up to be uh, Stallone's daughter, but then nope. They oh have... gosh! Oh thank oh, goodness! Gosh. Oh yeah, yeah. So you know, a lot better than that. <laughs> oh gosh. No, Planet Hulk is definitely better written than Demolition Man. I think I will go on record and say that now. I was going to say, the kitty menu at Denny's is better written than Demolition Man. <laughs> I, I love Devil Man. Please stop. <laughs> but no, like, seriously. For what it though, is. Talking, <laughs> talking about the writing in Planet Hulk, that's the thing that impresses me so much about this book. Like, on a technical level, everything is good. Like, the art is clean and readable. The lettering is solid. I think I found one lettering mistake in the entire series where Korg is saying something, but it's in Meek's font and in a word balloon attached to Meek, but it's obviously Korg speaking, so it was a goof. And that sort of thing happens, but, like, other than that, lettering is really sharp, it's easy to read, but the writing is the thing that impressed me the most. Greg Pak kills it. Yeah. From, like... Page one, we get, this is the story of the green scar, the eye of anger, the world breaker, Harkonnen, Harg, Holku, Hulk, and how he finally came home. Like, all of this stuff. Uh, they're, like, really strong sort of repeated motifs in the writing all throughout. We've got the story of the Hulk, how he came home, the story... First of all, coming home is, of course, going to Sakaar where he you know, finds a family and finally makes peace. Also coming home at the end of Planet Hulk to beat the crap out of all the nerds who wronged him. Uh, we have the repeated motifs of the World Breaker and the Sakar Sun. We've got the repeated line, never stop making them pay. We've got the repeated line, fighting for friends. Like, very strong verbal motifs repeated throughout the text. It's really sharp writing and it kind of keeps things focused it keeps the imagination like locked where it needs to be but also engaged with where the rest of the story is going we know the end of the story from the very beginning but the ride is still so wild this is a solidly written book and i cannot like praise the writing highly enough i think john you said something in your exposition about how there aren't a whole lot of big lengthy info dumps no uh we get a reference to Keming, the, the way that uh, Miak and his people communicate with each other, within the first couple of pages, and they never stop to explain what Keming is. We get, we understand what it means just from the context. Yeah. 
And that's the way it is with just about everything in this book. And it's marvelous. Ah, I see what you did there. Uh, <laughs> I, I have, I, we've read a little bit of Greg Pak, Greg Pak. Uh, this, this felt more like uh, I couldn't see the author. Like some authors, you know, their style, you know, what kind of things they're going to do. Like a Bendis book. Yeah. Like a Bendis book, but I like Bendis, so it works, but you can, you can kind of see, you know, the, uh, strings on the puppets, you know, Mm -hmm. um, this, I was just immersed in a way that like, I, I couldn't see Greg Pak's hand in it. Now, maybe if I read a whole bunch of his stuff, it'd be like, ah, he's doing this, you know, um, there was a oh, classic Pock. I watched uh, <laughs> I watched a movie that Aaron Sorkin wrote, and he dropped a line in there from that he had used in The West Wing, and I was like, "That's just that's like a that's like a Stanley cameo. Like it's just we don't need it." I mean, now I like Stanley cameos, but like a repeated joke or repeated line just to like give continuity with previous works or whatever, it, it felt clunky. But anyway, um, I I want to read more to see if that's if I'm as immersed in it because I just couldn't see his hand in it. It was just, it was just worked really well for me. Also, um, I want to read world war Hulk because apparently, uh, he, he has two surviving sons somehow scar and hero Kala, but I, I don't, I mean, I don't know how that I works. don't think it comes up in world war Hulk, honestly. Like, I think if I remember correctly, cause it's been a while since I've read it last page of world war Hulk, you see, Hulk's son like pop out of the rubbish or the the rubbish the waste on uh, Sakar. Oh. Yeah, I don't think he's actually a player in the story. No, I didn't notice him. I was like His we, dad we go was a from player, though. Hey yo. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz we go from Kyra saying like guess what? Baby time and uh then, you know, there's the animator explosion. So, yeah. I also kind of love that there's there's like this brief moment of understanding between Banner and the Hulk. When they when when Hulk marries or kind of does his ritual with with Kyra and she wants to know all of him and Banner kind of, you know, he he lets Banner come out for a moment and he's like, you know, yeah, this is us. We're we're two people. But there's no like there's no like you gotta, you gotta send me back to Earth. There's, there's none of that. Yeah. It's like this is very like, you know, the Hulk's happy, and if he's happy, I guess I'm happy. Uh, I guess yeah. it's all we've ever wanted was just to find some sort of peace, and then like that, there's like just a super brief moment of understanding. Like it's the first time we've seen Banner happen in this whole book. That is the only time, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah. a little, a little bit when he's weakened by the spikes after the war is over but that's like his hand or like you know yeah. slightly diminished it, frame it's not the only time if we read the bit that we all forgot to read well guess what steven we forgot to read the <laughs> to read the bit uh i'd say that's not canonical to our podcast so <laughs> it's not canonical to quote bob's burgers i was just going to say i was like you you know <laughs> was, what's the dang it it's the brony one but i can't yeah. remember the Equestronauts, I forget, I think it's just called The Equestronauts, where Bob has to go undercover as a bro. Mm-hmm. It's so good. <laughs> it's not canonical. <laughs> not canonical. Anyway, sorry, Stephen. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't really upset the reading much, because the it actually almost makes the, the arc a little bit better, in that it's like a 10-15 page story where 
the Hulk has nightmares about Bruce Banner coming in and, like, ruining his life. It's like every time the Hulk finds happiness, Banner pulls him out of it. And at the end of the story, uh, Banner is kind of defeated because there's no place for a human on Sakaar. There's only monsters there. And so Banner can't survive there, so Banner needs Hulk. Like, it is kind of an interesting reconciliation if you take it in context with uh, that earlier story when, you know, Kyra and Banner finally meet. But it's also interesting because the, uh, that story points out that this is not the first time that the Hulk has been stranded on an alien world where he has to engage in gladiatorial fights and then he falls in love and makes a family. Is it not? Like, that happened before. Oh. Yeah, and I've never read that other story. Like, I know it exists, and I'm pretty sure Planet Hulk was, like, knowingly referencing that story, just kind of doing Greg Pak's take on it, I guess. Do you, do you think it's, do you think it's called, do you think it's called Dwarf Planet Hulk? Kind of like, like Pluto, because oh, it's a gosh. smaller story? <laughs> Maybe, if I remember correctly from what I've heard about it, it's like a micro-sized planet where, where Hulk gets shrunk down. It's and a planetoid? Everybody's shrunk down. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I shouldn't talk about things that I don't know about. Regardless, uh, Planet Hulk is good, and I liked it, and I liked it for being good. Yeah, uh, and, and I think the other strong part, which we haven't, because the writing on it is so strong, we haven't really touched on it, but boy goodness, the art. Yeah, outstanding. Mm -hmm. Consistent, solid. Uh-huh, and even the backstory art, where it switches to a different uh, a different uh, a different artist, excuse me, was very good because we're, we have a different narrator now. And so we get a different art style. And so the brood reminiscing is going to be different from Korg reminiscing, which is going to be different from um, Meek reminiscing. I loved that. And it didn't feel like, ah, you're changing artists in the middle of the issue. Ah, what's going on? It was like, cool, yeah, stories. Like, like when they did the, the Korg Thor story, like that yeah. was done in the old like Jack Kirby style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. A little bit, yeah. Oh, gosh. And the covers are all really good. <laughs> they are. There was like one of them towards the like middle end that I was like, meh. But still like, yeah, above and beyond the, the standard fare. And I, I, I don't know if we, it's been a while since we've read a book this good, uh, if I'm being honest. Like um, just consistently good from beginning to end with like yeah. no buts. Yeah. Well, Kyra's got a bit of a butt. Yeah, yeah she yeah, has I mean, a real inconsistent is, like, yeah. bikini, which I thought was weird. I don't know. I didn't dwell on it. <laughs> there's a there's a YouTube channel that I just found that I really like. It's I think the woman's name is Jill Beerup. B-E-A-R-U-P. One of the things that she likes to do uh, with her YouTube channel is talk about women's armor. She, she does a lot of videos uh, breaking down the fight scenes in movies and talking about why they work on a character level and not just on a like a fight choreography level. It's really interesting stuff. But Ooh. she's also talked a lot about uh, the purposes of body armor and uh, how women's armor in video games and fantasy media is so often ridiculous. And that's kind of what I was thinking about as I was reading because Gaia's she's basically just wearing lingerie. And it's like, eh, that's not great. It's a battle bikini. <laughs> yeah, it's a battle bikini. <laughs> but that's it. Like, that's 
The only thing about this book that I don't like is one character's character design, and frankly, the action is usually moving too quickly for you to notice it. So yeah, I was really, going to say, I was like, I don't recall it being like super revealing or anything, but you know, if I flip through. I, I mean, it is revealing, but the art doesn't dwell on it. It's, it's no. kind of like an Aliens 2 situation, I guess. It passes the Hawkeye test. Uh, not all the time. <laughs> but but not all in the same pose. Oh, gosh. Uh, what else do we want to say about it? What else do we want to say about I, this, this good, good book? Yeah, this is the thing I hate about uh, good books. Is it, is it feels like we're just... <laughs> we're just all in agreement of it being a good book. And there's not a whole lot... It's not a lot of discussion. Yeah, it it's it's we're not shilling for this. I promise. Because <laughs> yeah, it comes it's, down it's to like you want to be you want to be critical, but like okay. Now I am going um, <laughs> after they have their first gladiator wins, and she he uh, Hulk like has a face to face with her. You know what it is? Is her skin tone is close to the color of her armor, so I didn't notice. Like I was like, yeah. no, it's like a sleek like bodysuit thing, you know, where it's and then I'm like, oh crap, yeah, it's you know, yeah. But yeah, the action moves fast enough where it's it's not dwelling on it. But like, man, I'm just like flipping through this fight leading up to the leading up to the Silver Savage, and it's it's just incredible stuff. And and coloring too, great coloring too. Yeah, there's one other bit that I really like. Um, it's when the the Hulk is fighting with the the Red King, who frankly not that interesting a villain. Doesn't need to be. He doesn't need to be. He's just so ridiculously evil that you can't help but know he's the guy who needs to be punched, right? That's that's what he's there for. But there is a pretty great character moment where uh, the Hulk is finally facing the Red King down and they're going to fight and the Hulk instructs Meek to chem everyone with the Red King so that the Red King knows why everyone hates him so much. And we see all of these scenes of like... Uh, Meek's father getting killed. We see Korg's brother getting killed. We see Heyer holding the baby who got incinerated when they dropped firebombs. Like, all of these really tragic moments. And then you, at the very bottom of the page, you get the Red King, and he's rolling his eyes and audibly sighing. He just does not care. It's such a hilarious moment. Because, like, in almost any other book that would be the moment where the villain like kind of realizes the error of his ways but the red king can't be bothered to have a conscience yeah it's just it's just a really good little moment of you know what an awful human being well he's not a human being he's a he's a what an awful red being <laughs> he's a pinky what is, do, do we actually know what the the sakar uh, uh, i will tell you are called? i will tell you because um Surely one of them will have a link where I can click on their name and it'll tell us. <laughs> uh, let's see. Now just Planet Sakar. Sakarian. I'm looking at um, Eloy Kaifi's page here and not seeing... Let's hold on a second. Species Sakar Imperial. There you go. Okay, yeah. That's, well, that's I think, the best we're going to get. He's an Imperial bunghole. <laughs> Oh, I love hearing the name of the episode title. It's like when you hear the name of the movie in the movie you're watching. <laughs> Steven, I dare you. I don't I don't know if I can call this episode that. I don't think that could be the name of the episode. <laughs> okay, well Yeah, you know. the, the name the, the name of the episode is gonna be Hulk is incredibly fertile. 
god. That's worse somehow. <laughs> it is. Uh, guys, I'm looking at our top thirty, and I'm 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 worried about displacing something or or the the you know like what what has to go because yeah. Are you already is... looking at the rankings? Yeah, I, I mean, think it's time unless you've got something else to say, Aldo. I would hear more critique if you have it, Aldo. Uh, psh, no, except I forgot it was the Silver Surfer until he appeared because I was so used to the cartoon, to the movie uh, in which uh, he fights Beta Ray Bill. Yeah, yeah. The movie wasn't a bad adaptation. No, I feel um, like I need to rewatch it now that I have the context of the actual book because I read the book like a long time, probably around the time it came out. Uh, yeah. And uh, when I saw that movie, I think I'd forgotten most of it. So I kind of want to watch that movie again now with the context. See, I'm torn because there are projects, uh, movies coming out that are based on existing material. And part of me is like, well, I better hurry up and read this book before the movie comes out so I'm in the know. And then part of me, adaptation, like good adaptations of book to film or comic to film are so rare that it can taint your viewing experience. You might love the movie. Like, um... I don't know. Like, even even when I was like, you know, the first time watching Lord of the Rings, I was like, well, where's Tom Bombadil? Because I was, you know, 17 <laughs> and stupid. Um, <laughs> I got to rewatch the trilogy. I haven't watched it in a long time. Um, anyway, uh, but, oh, this is also when I talk about adaptations, I have to mention by contract that uh, Matilda is a near perfect adaptation book to film, and it's a wonderful movie. And Danny DeVito directed it, and it's terrific, and everyone should watch it uh, yearly, if not more often, because it's just wonderful. Um, Mara Wilson is also very funny on Twitter. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so this is our 140th story. Dang. 140 books that we've read now. And okay, you said top 30. Currently our number 30 is the introduction of Beta Ray Bill in Walt Simonson's Thor run. Which is, you know, classic. It's and, good. And beloved by Steven, so naturally it uh, gets a little plus. And me, because Scuttlebutt. Scuttlebutt is good. Okay, I forgot about Scuttlebutt when I was I was trying to dig there. Okay, okay, okay. All right. Um, I don't know if this is top ten, but I think it's somewhere in the teens, and I'm just trying to. I yeah. I think it's top ten. Oh. I like the 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 first story that I compared this to, uh, is Spider Island. Yeah. And I think this is better than Spider Island. I would agree. Yeah, that I'm, is. And I am not a person to to put stuff over spider-man lightly except my hands i would put my hands on spider-man <laughs> aldo he's so put your hands on spider-man he's so not chiseled without, steven not without his consent aldo of course of course consent you ask first before you stroke the spider wait nope hold on nope nope okay nope <laughs> i mean but if it's like the spider-man 2 situation and he's on the train and you help him put him his back. mask back on or give him some backup, you know, but that's it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you're talking about like mosh pit stuff. Yeah, just lift him, but don't cup the butt. <laughs> no, when, uh, no. When, when my <laughs> wife and I watch movies, every now and again, you know, somebody will do something like really inappropriate. Like they'll kiss a woman without asking or whatever. <laughs> and we just start yelling at the TV, consent, consent. <laughs> <laughs> Setting a good example for our our. our Incoming child. Yeah. That's not the most woke millennial relationship I've seen. I don't know what is. <laughs> no. 
although I'm going to tell you something. It's good that they're on the ball already because when my daughter was one, she was walking. That and that's about all she could do. She was walking. There was a kid at a birthday party who was just younger than her, and she walked right up to him and kissed him on the mouth, and then like walked away. And I was like, "Whoa, dang it! Oh, we have to have the talk. Dang it, she's one. <laughs> dang it." So it's never too early. <laughs> but anyway so i think this is better than spider island is it better than the first appearance of miles morales because that that's the book that keeps it out of the top 10 if anything does oof miles morales and the bendis pacelli team up is great um i don't know this is a very tight story and boy who would be spider-man it's it's a you know, we already have a great variation of the original Spider-Man story. You know, we have Ms. Marvel as number one. And I, I don't think anything is going to unseat that, you know. I. Well, you never know. Maybe. I, I'd love to have more great comics of that caliber, but it's it's pretty, you know, it's pretty important. So yeah. I, I personally would say yeah. Um, not, not trying to take away from, you know, Miles Morales at all, because... The more no. I read of Miles Morales, the more I'm like, yes, this is, I'm just, I just need this in my life. But, yeah, it's, it's a very, I, very well done story. I think part of what gives us the edge over the Miles Morales story, as much as I hate that, is that this is, with with the exception of, like, the, 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 the World War Hulk cliffhanger, this is a complete story. Like, yeah. for, kind of, like I mean, you could just end it there, you know, you could... You could be all like, yeah, they went off to go have adventures or they went to go off to go destroy Earth or whatever, right? But the narrative and emotional arc of Planet Hulk is completed. He he enters, he's a reluctant hero, he achieves many things, and then like gets peace and is taken away from him. And I think that in and of itself is a bit more of a compelling story than the Miles Morales stuff is. Uh, and if only because Miles Morales, if anything, is it, is it sets up a really good launch off point for many more stories to come. Whereas this is just a really good story as is. So do we put this at number 10 or does it go higher? Listen, that was my non-answer, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> Because here's the thing, if, if we're sure that we want to put this above the boy who would be Spider-Man, I kind of don't want to stop until we get to If This Be My Destiny. Ah, it's, no, I'm stopping it. I mean, okay, listen, I'll put it above Infinity Gauntlet, but I'm not putting this above the tape. Me neither. <laughs> ha, democracy, you Steven. sure? We are sure. Don't fold, Aldo. <laughs> I mean, you could convince me to put it above the tape, but not above Vision. <laughs> are you positive? Absolutely. See, I, uh, I think don't know. I like the tape so much, and so uh, that's that's my ceiling. Infinity Gauntlet, it does a lot. It's a big event. It's it it's, it's particularly now, yeah. But this is just a really solid story with great characters, you know. And uh, no one summoned um, uh, a uh, you know girlfriend out of the ether for themselves to spite death. <laughs> I, I'll, let me. I'm just going to say this, and we'll let it fall where it falls. I read Planet Hulk, and I want to, like, go do something. Like, it actually energizes Mm. me. I read Vision, and I want to burn down the suburbs. 
I mean, that's that's my daily status. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but why not both, Steven? <laughs> why not both? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's something about this story that just really pumps me up. But yeah, okay, I'm actually okay with this going at number nine between the tape and Infinity Gauntlet. Sold. Yeah, yeah, I feel oh, good gosh, about this that. This is such a good book. <laughs> I, I I forget every time I like like I said I forget how good it is. Um, it's it's great to it's great to see a, a character like the Hulk, which you think is pretty stand like well he's the strongest period, and he's mindless you know but he's not if you write him correctly, and there's so much you can do with him as we saw here. So, and I, I found that like, this was a lot to read, but I was always anxious to read more. So it has, yeah, it never before. felt like it was, uh, like it was going on too long. It, Cause you know how, like you have that with like some books, like Bendis books where you're just like, oh, okay, can, can we get back to it? Like, can or we... the infinity. Yeah. Or the infinity. Yeah. This book felt like it was going at a decent, uh, decent pace. So so much so that like when I was switching between issues, I almost didn't feel it because I yeah. was just like so kind of excited to get to the next part that really the only thing that like, you know, made me realize I was switching issues was the fact that you have to press that button on the app. Yeah. Pa- real page turner or mm-hmm. flipper or swiper. Page swiper. Page swiper, no swiping. Yeah. <laughs> Dang it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Yeah, we watched about we watched two episodes of Dora, and I was like, "Nope, this is not going to be a beloved character in this household. My kids will like other." Oh, Stephen, get get your wife into Bluey, and then and then you can raise your child on the wonderful Australian cartoon that is Bluey. It's but what about Nihao Kailan? I don't know what that is. It's Dora the Explorer Dora, but to learn Chinese. Uh, how do you say no in in Mandarin? Bo, I forget. Yeah, no. <laughs> They're a family of adorable dogs, and they're great, and they love each other, and it's a very great show. Anyway. Speaking of family that loves each other, uh, we're going to read Avengers. Uh, those dirtbags. I'm kind of down on the Avengers right now. Uh, they sent Hulk to this planet, and that was not cool. They did not. Oh, right. Um, it was the Illuminati. A good portion of the, Okay, well, is there a member of the Illuminati who has not been an Avenger? I don't think Professor X was an Avenger, and I don't think Black Bolt was an Avenger. Oh, you mean Black Agar Boltigan's not tight with Wolverine? <laughs> Avengagar Goltigan? Dang it. I'm gonna look. I'm Do you a- mean, hold on, Black Agar Boltigan is not friends with Logan again. <laughs> yep, yep, nailed Hugh it. Hugh <laughs> Anyway, uh... That is the stupidest joke we've the... ever made on the podcast. Oh gosh, it, yeah, probably. I mean, that's a that's a real race to the bottom there. But... Race with, guard, with bottom some guard. Of the... <laughs> I can't even dignify that with a response. But some of the the casting talks and the story rumors coming out about uh, Ant Man, the next Ant Man and the Wasp film, we thought it would be a good idea to learn a little bit more about the character Kang. Isn't isn't that what the plan is king Correct. is like potentially going to be involved there he's going to be introduced in ant-man and the wasp sequel which i forget what the um oh quantumania sure that I sounds think... about right 
Kang the Conqueror, I can tell you in a second, but yeah, that's what we're, that's the, that's the reason we're doing this. Right. So we're going to take a look at a series called the Kang Dynasty, uh, which came out uh, in around 2001. It's a 16-part story. So this is the only story we're going to read for next time. This was written by uh, Kurt Busiek and has a bunch of different uh, artists on it. It's Avengers Volume 3, numbers 41 through 55, and Avengers Annual 2001. So there's an annual. Let's let's not forget the the little extra piece this time. Yeah, all right. I will say out of out of all the dynasties that I am familiar with, uh, Kang Dynasty scores pretty high above the Duck Dynasty. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine so. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> but below the Ming Dynasty. Yeah, definitely below the Ming Dynasty. And the TV show Dynasty. You know, I'm not familiar with that one. How so does it rank in comparison to Dynasty Warriors? Mm. Oh, pretty low. I mean, have you seen yeah. Lu Bu? It's yeah. Lu Bu. <laughs> Uh, Jonathan Majors will portray Kang the Conqueror in the upcoming live-action Marvel Cinematic Universe film Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. So that's cool. Aldo, would you say Lou Boo is your boo? <laughs> Absolutely, fool. Oh, we, are, we are off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so we've ended like our discussion a little bit earlier. It's been a while. Do you guys have some time for some back matter? Oh yeah, there's is there stuff happening? Well, I mean, <laughs> I've been. We've all been watching Wandavision, haven't we? Oh my gosh! Oh yeah, my goodness! I don't think we've actually talked about Wandavision on the show. No, we not at all. Have we? No, we've referenced mm. it because we've read books in preparation for it. Yeah, boy, um, that is how you do a TV show, right? Yeah, uh, we should probably give notice that like we are talking about this show the the Wednesday before the final episode. Yeah. yeah, spoiler alert if you are not, you know, already in the know. Uh, I've already said that it's great. Yeah. I don't want to taint your perception any more than that. Don't laugh at taint, Aldo. I... <laughs> Stop it. We are we are better than that. Man, I wish I had like a fart sound effect. To we, play are right we are not. We are his is Hayward at all from the comics? I don't think he's from the comics, is he? I cannot find him. The antagonist of WandaVision, if he is a character from Marvel Comics, I don't know who he is. There's a part of me that suspects he's gonna wind up being someone the same way that uh, Agnes turned into Agatha Harkness, but that's a guess on my part. I don't actually know. Okay. Because I was feeling a little weird. I thought he might have been like some weird kind of like shield agent from something some time ago. But, uh, but yeah, I don't came up. Doesn't have a Wikipedia entry of any kind that I can find. Just, um, acting director of shield. It's just, yeah, it's the Wikipedia is just, um, MCU characters. Oh, right. So there's there's nothing there yet. Which, which is Um, kind of, in, in a way it's also refreshing, right? Because we don't have. It kind of frees up the writing team to like do something different and new, which I feel like they have been doing with the interpretation of the characters. But it's also nice to have like an antagonist that you don't exactly know what they're up to. They yeah. don't have an MO. That's kind yeah. of why um, Edgar Wright didn't direct Ant-Man is because you have to check so many boxes when you're you know, making a film within an existing universe. Like this has to be done this way here, are kind of the rules of it. And so I think that's 
one of the reasons why some filmmakers have kind of shied away from you know doing one of these um, Marvel Cinematic Universe movies because they have different requirements that they are met, that have to meet. So that's that's tricky. Yeah, and it's I've been watching uh, the Mandalorian. Uh, we we're behind. We just got to the episode with uh, Ahsoka Tano. Oh man! And uh, it's kind of frustrating that like these made for Disney Plus shows keep going back to old stuff. It's just like here's old stuff that you know again. So like WandaVision, we've got this big twist that Agatha Harkness is the villain, and we've got this other big twist that. Uh, we've got a different actor playing Pietro now, and it's just references to all of this old stuff. And The Mandalorian does this too. And there's a part of me that gets kind of frustrated with that. Because it's like, I've seen all of this stuff. Let's get some new stuff. The thing that makes it gratifying is that my wife doesn't know any of this. <laughs> and so when I'm like flipping out on the couch when when Evan Peters shows up, she is like, whoa. You're scaring the baby. <laughs> Calm down. And then I get to explain to her and like talk through things and like that kind of excitement that I get, that little, you know, lizard brain. <laughs> I, I recognize the thing and therefore I like it. Like I get to engage with that and explain it to her, and then she gets it and it kind of improves her understanding. So like I don't know. I don't entirely hate it, but it is sad that there isn't new stuff coming at the same time. Yeah, it's frustrating in that sense. Because, like, part of what I liked about Mandalorian 1 was how open it was to just kind of do its own thing. Kind of the same way if you think about it, the phase one of Marvel stuff was really open to do whatever it wanted to. Mm. And that's why we have, uh, you know, just an all right Shakespearean Thor movie. (laughs) But, uh... But yeah, but then like the phase two, phase two of Marvel really felt like it was full of like references and like a lot of payoff for having watched, you know, phase one and stuff. Um, but I, I don't know. I, f- I feel like I feel like this is doing enough new stuff with the stuff that we already know and recognize that that's kind of what's been keeping me hooked. I don't I, I don't know. I, th- I think a lot of people are comparing this stuff to like uh uh, who was the guy that made Twin Peaks? Was it Fincher or Lynch? Lynch. Lynch. Yeah, I think a lot of people are comparing his his stuff to 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 his to like Twin Peaks specifically. I I don't know how much I buy that comparison, but it is. I I, I don't I don't know. Like, it's a good show nonetheless, but uh, I don't know that it's as artsy as that. But maybe that's just my perception of Marvel work. Yeah, I think WandaVision gets a lot of uh, credit for playing with the formula. <laughs> I don't, like, you couldn't tell this story in another medium. This has to be a television show. It's especially with, you know, making all the, um, you know, par- not parodies, that's not the right, homages? I don't know. Doing things I think in the I'd style. I call them parodies. Yeah, like doing, you know, they they nailed, like, the, the Dick Van Dyke and I Love Lucy vibes and the bewitched uh stuff in the second episode and um kind of the brady bunch um you know i love that like in the last episode she like pulls out her dvd like you see her dvds that she used to watch you know and it's like holy crap they need they did do malcolm in the middle in that last episode it was just crazy and yeah and i feel like (laughs) 
that works out of unfortunate circumstance because like Scarlet Witch has been such a unexplored un- underrepresented character in the movies that there is so much room to kind of like retcon her without feeling like a retcon. So you can absolutely say yeah. like yeah, she was obsessed with with American TV shows and because we have little to no insight to what she does on her off time <laughs> it works yeah they they kind of it feels more like fleshing out rather than changing things that they've already put on the screen yeah i also got to explain to my wife what a retcon is so you know <laughs> it's been a productive wow week. got steve look at the big boy pants on steven <laughs> <laughs> he gets to mansplain all this stuff <laughs> Good for you. It's only mansplaining if she knows what it is. My wife does not oh, know. Oh, okay. She thought I made the term retcon up. Oh, really? Yeah, she actually thought I made it up. I'm not that clever. Wow. I, I'd argue you're pretty clever. Aw, thanks. Cleverer than the average bear. <laughs> is there a Take cle- that, Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> oh, bother. <laughs> I'm, I'm a bear. Yeah. I'm a bear of very it, little I brain. I don't know what a... Steven, did you want to bring up anything specific about WandaVision? Randall Park. Oh, yeah. Jim. Oh, man. That just made me so happy to see Jim Halpert getting work. I mean, uh, Randall Lee. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. Did you notice his card times? trick? Yeah, shut up. It's funny <laughs> to me every time. It's because I'm on TikTok, his... okay? Everybody makes that joke on TikTok. <laughs> it is funny. <laughs> No matter the medium, um, he uh, gives his business card to Monica Rambeau uh, with the card trick that he learns in uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. I thought that was pretty great. Oh, yeah, yeah, that he, that he copied from, uh, not Paul Rudd, but Paul Rudd's character. <laughs> Ant-Man. Jeez, the movie's named after Trying him. to think of his non- <laughs> Scott Lang. This is, a, Thank this is a comic book podcast. I don't want to call I don't want to call him by his insect name. <laughs> you don't want to ca- What? Scott Lang, thank you. That's all I needed. Also, okay, I I saw this uh, because I am a millennial on TikTok. I saw a TikTok about uh, Jim Jimmy Woo being like this uh, like this beautifully progressive uh, woke uh, MCU character, which and and you know it was a little bit of like a like a fan cam type thing, and they were just kind of pointing out all of the really great moments. Uh, he does a lot of little things that are really kind of fantastic. Like the fact that, like, uh, not only is he defending uh, Wanda when Hayward is explaining, like, the situation leading up to everything. But he's constantly giving context to that type of stuff. Uh, he's He never really says anything, like, sexist or, like, aggressive. Or he doesn't treat his female colleagues any different. And the only time he does anything specifically... F- towards like female colleagues is when hayward makes what is a potentially pretty like sexist remark when he's like who's the sassy best friend and jimmy Woo immediately like takes that bullet and like steps in front of it and cut and like shuts him down and like the internet loves jimmy Woo, and i loved him already <laughs> and i love him more because the internet loves him i think he gets kind of like I, I have to rewatch the Ant Man movies because I don't remember really liking his character all that much. He wasn't. But well, he was there. He was the cop. Great. He was. He was the FBI yeah, he's agent. Great in Wandavision, though. <laughs> yeah, he's so good. He was. He was really great in the. Um, you know, in Ant Man and the Wasp, but he was also you know the guy trying to keep Ant Man on house arrest. So he's kind of a he's a antagonist. So 
Uh, maybe that's why you didn't like him. I thought he was uh, charming and delightful as an antagonist and as an FBI agent uh, on both both shows. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's that he's. Oh. I don't know, not charming or anything. I just he just doesn't have a lot of screen time. That too. I mean, they they were kind of rushed, not rushing, but you could tell that Scott being in house arrest wasn't really the point of the movie. So, right. <laughs> can you imagine just two two hours of Scott Lang in house arrest? I would watch that. Actually, <laughs> that would be a great web series. They've made very compelling bottle episodes. So I, I think you could do it, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I, I don't think we can end this conversation before mentioning Tiana Paris, who's uh, playing Monica Rambeau. Oh, yeah. Holy She's crap. Not one of my favorite characters, but but definitely a great performance, I think. Yeah, I, I, I see this as... Like you remember, there was like we we mentioned like there were little moments in in uh, Captain Marvel, which is not one of the best movies. I'm really glad that we, I think I like Brie Larson as the role. I like that we have Captain Marvel, but like I don't know the movie, it wasn't as good as and as that movie should have been more important than it was. And they like they had this moment and everything, and then the movie was not as good as other ones. But you know, nitpicking aside. It's like they took a, char- a side character from that movie and put her into this, and so it's it's making something really cool out of like somewhere you wouldn't have expected. You know, like this this side character is now a really big deal and really cool, and is now going to you know going to be a superhero because she got powers, and we're going to learn what they are. So that I thought that was cool. she got TV powers. TV powers. She's able to pause time like Zach Morris. Oh, time gosh. out. <laughs> yeah, I uh. I, I I think she's pretty good. Um, I like the character. She's got kind of the same sort of stubborn streak that I like in Captain Marvel, which is part of how she wound up with her powers, is she didn't back down when she probably should have. Yep. Uh, I'm excited to see what they do with her. I'm excited to see what they do. I'm really curious about the finale, because I'm, I'm, I'm worried that the finale could not, like, it could fail to live up to what the rest of the season has done but like the finale of the first season of heroes yes that was very disappointing <laughs> I, I am a little happy because of the way that the shows have been paced which i feel like they've been appropriately paced with the exception of like the first two episodes yeah if they put in a little bit uh, dropped a few more hints in the first two because the first two were pretty straightforward parodies of the shows that you know they were parodying uh, but yeah, like there, if they had dropped a few more hints, I think it would have worked better. But I'm also like not going to complain yeah. about what we have. So. I was I was a little relieved to find out that the final episode, that the season finale, is supposed to be 20 minutes longer, because it feels like there's a lot happening, and I did not have any idea how they were going to resolve that in a 25 minute episode. Yeah, especially since like this last episode had no vision. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know, Steven. It was a pretty good episode. I think I think the directors had a pretty good vision, and they set out and they no capital D vision. It. <laughs> it's confusing. Are you using your night vision vision? I I'm not gonna lie. That's still one of my favorite lines in the whole whole show, <laughs> and I hate it. <laughs> I hate that it's one of my favorite lines. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, because oh, that's right. Because the last time we saw Vision, he was phasing out of the van. And or leaving the interview <laughs> that yeah, we, he's apparently we aware of. do not of. know. Oh, gosh. I, it'll be interesting to see what happens. It'll be a shame if this ends with Vision, like, not 
in the MCU anymore because Paul Bettany is so good. Yeah. But at the same time, you kind of want him out at this point because he doesn't want to be there. I, yeah. I, not the not the actor, the character. Yeah, I feel like if I would prefer to have absolutely no vision left, you know, no, none of the none of the white vision, none of the Paul Bettany vision, or or have this kind of expanded, more more personality driven vision kind of remain. Because that's been one of the things I've enjoyed about him is he has a lot more personality in this show than he has in in the other uh, films he's been in. Because he's been pretty straightforward. He's been pretty, you know, robotic in in a sense. And that's because that's kind of his character. So so for him to feel a little bit more human, it's been really like I, I really love the episode when when he fights with Wanda. When they're arguing because he's genuinely yeah. scared. It's a really powerful moment for his character. Yeah, he gets like angry, but it's it's this fear-driven anger. It's a very human emotion. And it's I, I've heard a lot of people complain about the vision because he's just like a robot who wants to know what it's like to be a man, and it's a very boring character type. This is a really interesting spin on the character. Mm-hmm. It's uh it's relatable in a weird way like he knows something's wrong and he wants to fix it but he doesn't know how and that scares him and that fear is so relatable yeah and the fact that he is kind of waking up from from kind of the control and he notices a lot of these things that people don't seem to notice so like like he points out the whole there not being any children in the park and everybody kind of being on their schedules and and kind of some of the weird glitches going on. He notices this stuff. And it's, you know... And then on top of that, he can't remember his past. He doesn't know who he was before all of this happened. I think that's just... It's a very well-done portrayal. It is. It is. Indeed. Yeah. Paul Bettany. Way, way to go, my dude. Really really great performances by everybody on the show. I'm excited. Yeah. And I, I'm glad that... Including um, Kat Dennings. Yeah. Yeah. Which... <laughs> You're... <laughs> Remind me, you're a fan of hers, like, regardless, right? Even acknowledging, like, you know... Yes. Yes, I okay. was excited for Kat Dennings when she was announced for, like, the Thor movie. Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I like her. Because, like, and, like, you know, some of this stuff and, like, this, like, I don't know, some of it's kind of like, yeah, she's kind of like, you know, I think her role was kind of like the annoying character, but I, I don't know, I enjoyed it the whole time. But, like, this is like, hey, look at her, she went and got her doctorate after Thor, that's cool. You know, like, she wasn't, like, because, you know, she starts off in Thor as, like, ah, this was an easy credit to take, whatever, and then this one, she's a Mm -hmm. doctor of astrophysics, so that's pretty cool. Um, I enjoyed her, and I'm really glad that Catherine Hahn, because Catherine Hahn was in it, I was like, why did, she's given nothing to do in this show. Like, she's so much better than that, and it's like, oh my gosh, it was Agnes, Agatha all along. Like, that, uh. We know, we heard the song. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool, um. I'm I'm glad that you know she's given more to do because at first it was like she's she's you know funnier and, and more talented than just like the oh shucks everybody like side character you know so yeah so it's it's good there there's not going to be a season two I don't think so hope you enjoyed it I I re- I really hope there isn't a season two I like yeah, the idea of shows that just kind of get to have an ending yeah that's something that I enjoyed good. a lot out of the Watchmen adaptation or show. Uh, that that was really nice for that to kind of be its own completed story, 
So I'm really looking forward to that from from WandaVision. Because it, it, it would be nice to be able to like refer this show to people without necessarily having all of the uh all of the baggage of like, yeah, now you're gonna have to watch like this movie to like figure out what's going on at the ending or like, you know, this character follows through onto this thing and which I mean you will have, right? Because it's the MCU. But I I just don't want the show to be so bogged down with that. You like I understand the appeal of having a show that goes on for a long, long time from the creator's standpoint. Like I remember reading the the Tina Fey biography for my book club a while back and she talked about how she fought to keep 30 Rock on the air for as long as she did because it kept all of those people employed. And, like, I sympathize with that, but at the same time, from, like, a purely aesthetic perspective, you want things to end. You want things to end in a satisfying way. Because you, right. you can tell when they're, when they're stretching a show out, you know. Yeah. You can tell when, you know, they're just, they're filler episodes, and that bothers me. Uh, that's why I like Gravity Falls a lot. It's because it's two long seasons and no real filler. They do a bottle episode where they, they tell little short stories where they would normally like flashback to stuff. The community did that one time. They had a whole flashback episode where they flashed back to stuff that wasn't in other episodes. It was like funny little side things that happened that weren't featured in another episode. So you weren't robbed of new show. You got a new show in the style of a bottle episode with flashbacks or a clip show, but it was, you know, clips of new stuff. It was really cool that way. But I hate the feeling of like, man, we are just trying, like you, you, you look at, you know, we, we've been, you know, in quarantine, binging a lot of shows, just having shows on just like, what are we watching tonight? Oh, we're making our way through this show or whatever. And I, I want to think of a better example than friends, but yeah, there's some like storylines on friends where it's like, well, that's not going to go anywhere. This is stupid. You know? Um, you can tell when, I just don't like, you know, if we're, if I'm going to watch a show, I want it to be worth it. And, you know, a filler episode, a clip show or whatever is annoying. Yeah. Uh, maybe we shouldn't try to get John into anime. No, you shouldn't. I've been trying to tell you and you guys keep trying at it. You keep trying at it. They warned me about you guys in Dare. 